faith in the team here at Broadway. And so thank you so much for not being selfish. Thank you so much for being willing to invest and to give um, to not only your pastors but to another community. And I just know that God is going to do an awesome thing, and he's going to reward our faithfulness here. And uh, it's going to be good. I'm super excited about coming together as one service next week. Some of y'all was late today because you're like, it was 1030 today, right? No, not yet. Next week, though, I was running late myself today. Didn't even get out of bed until after 8. So um, some of us are really looking forward to that extra little sleeping in, huh, Lady D? It's going to be good. Woo! Give it up for Lady D and, and the worship team today. Was that amazing or what? She set us up right. This is, we're going to just, you know, have an amazing time. So today I'm closing out the sermon series, No More Excuses. Say it with me. No more excuses. All right. No more. Say, just say no more. All right. So we've been talking about excuses and closing it out. And then we're going to be going into our new sermon series, our, our Easter sermon series called Underdog next week. And uh, we have flyers. We'll be on the next couple Wednesdays going around this community and then the Saturdays going around uh, Waterville community and passing out flyers. And it's going to be a lot of fun, these, uh, this Underdog series that we're going to be going into. But I believe this is leading us right up into it. And so today we're going to talk about the excuse of, I just don't have time. How many of us have given that excuse? Come on. I don't have any time. You know, not enough time to exercise. Whew. I've been using that for ever since this Waterville campus. I, like I haven't hardly hit the gym. Not enough time, I say to myself. Not enough time to cook healthy meals. Not enough time to do all the laundry, Lord, have, until all the underwear are, are in there. And then it's like we, we got to get to it. Come on. <laughs> we can't be like wearing them inside out and reverse and having the having the boys wear the same pair of underwear four days in a row. That's just nasty. So, but we say not enough time. Come on, mamas. I know I'm not the only one, right? <clears throat> not enough time to serve my church. Not enough time to pray. Not enough time to read my Bible daily. Not enough time to pursue hobbies. Come on, does it sound familiar? Not enough time. It's probably one of the biggest excuses we give for not doing what we should do. Leadership is taking responsibility while others are making excuses. John Maxwell, isn't that good? Leadership is taking responsibility while others are making excuses. God wants us to take responsibility and to stop making excuses. Let that sink in for a minute. See, time management is a weakness of mine. <clears throat> and, and, but this week, I've realized i got to stop using it as an excuse. That's probably the biggest excuse I give is I don't have enough time. But this week, this sermon went through me before, or went in me before it's going to come through me, friends, because I was getting convicted. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, I just don't have enough time to do everything that I want to do. And then I realized it's not that I don't have enough time. It's that I need to prioritize better. (laughs) See, time management is an oxymoron. Time is beyond our control, and the clock keeps ticking regardless of how we lead our lives. Priority management is the answer to maximizing the time we have. Come on. Come on, somebody. Priority management. 
I'm like, I'm done saying time management. I need to get better at time management. No, I got to get better at priority management. (laughs) Ephesians 5.16 says this, that we need to be making the most of your time because the days are evil. How many of you want to make the most of your time? We've all been given the same amount of time. It's just some make better use of it than others. Today, I want to learn through God how to make the most of my time. And so as I was praying and preparing for this, the Lord led me to Esther. And today we're going to discuss Esther and we're going to learn from her on how to make the most of our time. So four lessons from Esther. You ready for it? Well, I'm going to give you a little intro of Esther for those of you who don't know her story. And this is the first time I've ever preached on Esther, and I've been preaching for a long time. Someone said, uh, I met with uh, Pastor Earl Renee yesterday, and he was surprised. He profiled me as a woman preacher and was surprised I've never preached on Esther. I said, Deborah is my girl. I don't preach on Esther. (laughs) But you know what? The Lord took me to Esther, and I was like, wow, this is a woman of God, and there are so many things we can learn from Esther, especially in how to make the most of our time. So Esther was a Jew from the tribe of Benjamin, and she grew up in Persia. Her name means hidden. An interesting fact is the name of God is not mentioned in the book of Esther. It was kind of um, undercover. And, but you see his handprints everywhere in the book of Esther, but his, the actual name of God is not even mentioned in the book. And so I think it's interesting that her name means hidden. Her, her Jewish name was Hadassah, which means myrtle, a tree whose leaves release their fragrance when crushed. It's a branch that signifies peace and thanksgiving, two things Esther did to, that she brought to her people. Esther was an orphan, and she was brought up by her older cousin, Mordecai. And long story short, short King Xerxes, he summons, uh, he, he basically put on his first, maybe in the Bible, first kind of, what, what would you call it? What do we do it here? Uh, um, a beauty pageant. That's what he did. He put on a beauty pageant, and he was looking for a new queen because his queen, the queen of Vashti, she basically played him out when she, when he, he asked her to come in front of his friends, and he was trying to show off his woman, and she was like, uh-uh, I ain't doing all that. And, well, she got booted because it was a very male chauvinist society back then. That's my take on it. And so he said, I'm going to put on a beauty contest, and I'm going to get me a new woman. And so that's what he did. He was a king. He was a ruler. He did what he wanted to do. And so Esther was among all the women who... Um, you know, was chosen, and her cousin Mordecai said, listen, don't let it be known that you are a Jew. And so she kept her identity and, and her faith hidden. But God had her there for such a time as that because during the same time, this man named Haman, who was a hater, <laughs> and uh, it's literally a hater of the Jewish people, was kind of coming up as one of the king's prime ministers, and he kind of developed this plan to uh, basically wipe out the Jews. And so God had Esther in power for such a time as this. And so we're going to learn what Esther did and how she made the most of the time that was given to her. So the very first thing, we're going to break down the word time as a, an acrostic 
because it's been like three weeks since I've done that. So we're going to break down the word time as an acrostic, and we're going to have a, a good time learning about how we need to make the most of our time. Number one, today is important. We need to realize today is important. Can you say today? Today. So Esther, you know, was was a queen. Now, she was chosen, but yet she remembers that the queen before her was exiled when she didn't obey the king. And so she knew her place. And at this time, she, her cousin Mordecai is coming to her and saying, listen, they're about, the, they're devising a plan. Haman and his people are devising a plan of taking it to the king and they want to destroy the Jews. You need to do something about this. Now Esther was a little afraid, like, listen, if I do something, what, who, what, who am I and what am I going to do? I can't, it's against the law for me to go before the king unsummoned. And this is what is said in Esther 4, verse 14. Mordecai says this, For if you remain silent at this time, say time, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time, say time, for such a time as this. Esther understood the power of today. See, Mordecai motivated Esther by reminding her that God would accomplish his purpose even if she sat on the sidelines. Friends, over 10 years ago now when Pastor Keith came to Josh and I and said, hey, I got this crazy idea. We're going to take our church that's meeting here at 1630 Broadway, and we're going to move to the east side, to the way east side of Toledo, to Oregon, and we want you to stay behind and start all over again. And we were like, what? <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? No, what you talking about? <laughs> and my husband went to prayer. That night, and I went to bed that night a little frustrated and feeling all kinds of anxiety. And I heard my husband downstairs praying, and I felt a little bit more peace, I said, because I just I just couldn't even imagine it at that time. And so I came downstairs the next morning and asked him, well, what did the Lord speak? And he said this. He said, if we do not do this, God will raise someone else up to do it. So we need to do it because I don't want to be left behind. And I said, amen, let's do it. And so that's how we came to plant Vision Ministries over 10 years ago, because we knew that if we didn't, if we wanted to sit on the sidelines, God would use somebody else. We knew we had to redeem our today. Friends, oftentimes we think, oh, well, we don't need to do it today. We'll put it off until tomorrow when God is saying, no, today I'm giving you a choice. Who are you going to serve? Today, choose life. Oh, I'm going to wait till tomorrow to choose life. How many teenagers have I talked to over the years that said, I'm going to party now, and then when I graduate from high school or when I get out of college, then I'll get saved. You don't, you're not promised tomorrow, but you have today. Today is the day of salvation. Friends, we've got to learn the importance of today. If we would have chose 10 years ago not to plant Vision Ministry, South Toledo, God would have done another work and he still would have used somebody in this building to do something. But we wouldn't be where we're at today. 
And some of you might not be where you're at today. Because every choice that we make today affects our tomorrow, friends. And Esther had to choose today that she was going to overcome her fear and do what God called her to do. This is the thing. It's not the leader's giftedness that prompts God's blessing. It's his willingness. It's not our giftedness. It's our willingness that prompts God's blessings. Unfortunately, we have too many Christians today that do not understand their assignment and therefore they do not make the most of their today. Romans 13, 11 through 14 in the message version says this. But make sure that you don't get absorbed and and exhausted in taking care of your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off. Oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. Say we can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence and sleeping around and bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't looter or linger, waiting around to the very last minute. Dress yourself in Christ and be up and about. Friends, today matters. What you do today, it matters. John Maxwell says this, you'll never change your life until you change something you do daily. The secret of your success is found in your daily routine. If I wasn't such a good steward, I would drop this mic right now. Say with me, today matters. John Maxwell says this, small disciplines repeated with consistency every day lead to great achievements gained slowly over time. Friends, do not despise small beginnings. It's when you are faithful daily in the small things, God will give you more. So often we're thinking, oh, when I have this, and oh, when I'm that, and oh, when I get to that level, I will do this. God says, no, no, no. What are you doing with your this today? And then he looks for those who are faithful today to promote tomorrow, friends. You're waiting for your promotion for tomorrow, but you're not faithful today. You'll never get that promotion tomorrow. Esther decided to go past her fear that she was feeling today. To be faithful today so that she can have her promotion for tomorrow, friends. Come on. And when you're faithful, you're going to bring others up along with you just like she did. It's time to realize today matters. What are you doing today that makes you more like Christ? Another way we can learn from Esther and make the most of our time is to realize that intercession is important. Intercession, friends. It's important. Leonard Ravenhill says this, weak in prayer, weak everywhere. 
When Mordecai came to Esther in chapter 4 to ask her to go to the king and plead for her life and the Jews, Esther was fearful. She was afraid. When you feel paralyzed in fear, go to prayer. I think I need to say that again. When you feel paralyzed, paralyzed in fear, go to prayer. Do you know one of the things the enemy tries to do to God's people is paralyze them with fear? That's one of the main things he tries to do to God's people. I remember when Josh and I were first married 16, almost 16 years ago, and we lived in this little itty-bitty apartment. I mean, itty-bitty. <laughs> and we were in bed that night, and I woke up, and there was a demonic presence. I'm not, I, I wasn't a vision. It was a demonic presence hovering over me and for a moment I had fear come over me and I almost felt paralyzed like I couldn't move I couldn't even open my mouth and then I thought Jesus and as soon as I thought Jesus I said Jesus and then I said go in Jesus name and it was sucked right out of my room and I got up and I woke Josh up and we started praying but I realized something that day That when fear comes on me and wants to paralyze me, I need to go to prayer right away. Because God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, friends. And now sometimes fear comes on me and says, who are you to plan another campus? What kind of a, what kind of, and it lies to me and I'm, I'm not even going to speak, the, I'm not even going to give the devil airtime all the lies that the devil tries to tell me to paralyze me in fear. Instead I say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to be obedient to God. And, and that's going to take me praying because I'm not brave enough by myself to do it. I'm not skilled enough in my ability to do it. But I need to go to prayer. I need to go, I need to intercede. At times I need to fast. I need to give up some things and, and say no to my flesh so that I can have more of God. Esther 4.16, this is what she said to Mordecai when Mordecai asked her to go ahead and go to the king. She was afraid, but she said this, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, say three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. This girl would not have had the strength. She already knew I'm afraid. And so I'm going to, if I'm going to go before the king, I'm going to go prayed up. Matter of fact, I'm going to, I'm going to be so prayed up. I'm, I'm not eating nothing for three days. I did an Esther prayer one time. Dude, it was so hard. <laughs> three days I didn't eat or drink nothing. On that third day, matter of fact, it's when we were youth pastors the first time. We've been youth pastors many times. But the first time before we planted Vision Ministries, when we were youth pastors underneath Pastor Key, and I did it, I couldn't do it by myself. So I gathered the whole, all the teenagers. I made them starve with me. And so we were praying and fasting, and it was right before school. We were praying and fasting that we would be bold witnesses in the school, and we did it for three days. On the third day, we said, we're going to celebrate together. This is how naive we were back then. We didn't know about fasting like we do now. And so we get, first, we went, we gathered everybody on the bus, and these kids were at all kinds of different schools. We probably went to three or four different schools, and we prayed over their schools with the kids. And then we said, and we're going to celebrate, because we did it at a different time thing. And I think it was like at 5 o'clock or something like that. We can, we're going to be at, um, we were at a buffet. I can't remember which one. Was it Ponderosa? I thought it was Ryan's. 
It was Ryan's. Okay. So we were, I mean, you guys don't need to know these details, but you know, that's how, that's how us women are. We like details. So it was, we, we prayed, we gathered her back in the bus. It was a little bit before five because we want our food right at five. We went, we went to the buffet. We got our plates. We sat down. We had the alarm set. The pastor's daughter, Kimber, who's a missionary now, had the fork in her hand. The alarm beat. And we, we stopped, boy, one by one, everybody was using the bathroom. We were all sick. <laughs> but we took three days. We did the Esther prayer in three days. We was like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna eat. We're gonna get, we're gonna draw closer to the Lord. I'm telling you, these kids had breakthrough after breakthrough. When we pray and fast and seek His face, He's gonna, God is gonna give us the courage to do what we need to do. When Esther said, you know what? You got, I'm not doing it by myself. I'm gonna pray and fast, but you call all the Jews to pray and fast for me. Three days, no eating. We're gonna pray and fast. Friends, sometimes we need to believe and that's going to help uh, praying and fasting is going to help strengthen us that's what esther did every day leaders must wake up and lead themselves before they can lead anyone else esther knew she couldn't lead herself so she needed to pray and fast but after she prayed and fast god gave her the strength to lead herself and because she did that she was able to lead others friends Fasting, the absence from food for a predetermined period, is a godly exercise that can bring us closer to God. Fasting and prayer combined together is a powerful thing that oftentimes moves God on our behalf. In chapter 5, Esther approached the king and she invited him and Haman to a banquet. This was her attempt to get her timing right. Before she informed the king of Haman's plot to kill the Jews, which she was one of, Hester had hid the fact that she was a Jew from the king and Mordecai and, and, and on Mordecai's advice. God's timing, friends, is always best. We need to wait for God's timing in doing things. It's dangerous when we jump into things too quickly. Hmm. Hmm. We need to intercede and pray to God that we will have better understanding of his timing. Pastor Josh Hester says this, wait in prayer, walk in power. That is you. Oh, he changed my notes. That's a good one. I mean, I say it more than he does now, so I should just start putting my name on it. <laughs> Wait in prayer. Walk in power. Man, isn't that good? Oh, sometimes we get a vision to do something, and we just want to jump and do it. Didn't put no prayer in it. Didn't fast. Didn't seek wise counsel, and we wonder why we fail. Wait in prayer. Walk in power. That's what Esther did for three days, and not just her, her whole community. Come on, friends, we need to get a community around us that will pray and fast. We need to get a community around us that will pray and fast with us. I got a group of ladies at both this campus and the other campus that I call and I text typically when I'm going through something or when I sense the church is going through something. I said, I'm not going to be one of those pastors that suffer by myself. No. I trust a few, a few ladies here that I know 
pray when I send them a text, not just say, okay, I'll pray sometime. And dear Lord, bless Pastor Joy. No, I want someone who's going to pray. If I text you, you got to pray. And so I got a number of ladies. And I'm telling you, every time I do that, within 24 hours, I'm usually feeling better or whatever the situation is usually changed. We need to get a community around us that when we ask them to pray, they're going to pray. Because when we wait in prayer, we will walk in power. Who or what are you interceding for today, friends? Because I'm going to tell you, there's a list of things here that you could be interceding for. We need to be interceding for this new campus in Waterville. We need to pray and intercede for the new leadership and transition that's going to happen here at South Toledo. We need to pray and intercede that God will bring revival to our church, but greater than that to our city and greater than that to our nation and greater than that the, the world needs revival. Are we praying and fasting? Are we seeking his face? Because if not, we need to make that a priority if we want to redeem our time. Another way we can learn from Esther and make the most of our time is we need to realize that mentoring is important. Now, if you've known me for any length of time, you realize that this is a passion of mine. I love to mentor. I love to coach people who want to be mentored and want to be coached. I had one lady come up to me and said, Pastor Joy, I want you to be my mentor. I said, no, you don't. This is probably about five or six years ago. They said, she said, yes, yes, I do. I said, no, no, you don't. She said, I really do. I said, okay, well, let's meet together. Within the first um, meeting, she, she asked me, you know, well, what do I need to do to get to this level? I said, well, first, you need to obey this. And I point out the Bible. And I said, you're living in a situation right now that's not above reproach. And if you want me to mentor you, you need to be in a situation that, as the Bible says, if you're saying you want to grow in leadership, you got to live above reproach. Well, she was kicking and screaming and had a fit. I said, I told you you didn't want to meet with me. I told you you didn't want me to mentor you. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a, I'm not a therapist. You might, I, I will mentor you, but I'm not going to run after you and, and have a tissue for you to blow your nose every time you're upset that you don't want to be obedient to the word of God. It's just not my gifting. Ask my kids. They fall down. I'm like, shake it off. You're right. God knew to give me three boys and just one daughter. Cause I'm like, come on, stop crying. Your leg ain't broken. <laughs> Friends, we need mentoring. Mordecai was the unsung hero of the book of Esther. Mordecai was a cousin who took Esther in after her parents died and she was orphaned. Mordecai mentored Esther. He was her life coach. Oh, friends, never, ever do I ever remember a day and age like we live in today. You know, I, I was a history major before God sent me to the ministry. And I never remember a time in history, like the time that we live in today, where so many people need mentoring, where so many people need life coaches. You know, people make big bucks to become a life coach. All the movie stars, everybody has them. I got my life coach. It's going to help me be successful and do things. And they're paying big bucks. And I was thinking about that the other day, and I thought, hmm, You know who used to be life coaches? The reason why everybody didn't need one? Because everybody had one. Because life coaches used to be parents. (laughs) Parenting, friends, is life coaching. This is what my dad says. He likes to remind me usually around September time, my birthday time. He says, the hardest years of parenting, Joy... 
It's 38 years. Thank you, Dad. Thank you for my happy birthday. Appreciate that. He's getting ready to say, thank you for making that big 4-0 number back there. Next year, he's going to say, the hardest years of parenting joy is 40 years. (sighs) Bless you. (laughs) But my mom and dad have always been there. Even when they were backslidden, they were still there for me and my brother and my sister. Parenting is life coaching, friends. It is easier to raise a child right than send them off to a life coach for you to for them to repair the damages that you did. Parenting is life coaching, and we need to get it together, friends. There are so many fatherless and not just fatherless anymore. That was that was a decade ago. Now fatherless and motherless. Orphan children because they have parents that are there that aren't there or their parents just walked out on them. We need to get it together. So I'm about to recap a little bit. So Esther, she needed mentoring. She needed someone to be her life coach, and that was what Mordecai was. Mordecai found out about a plot early on in the the book of Esther to assassinate the king. So he told Esther, and Esther went to the king and told him, told the king and basically the king was saved because of Mordecai. But what, what, what didn't happen then was Mordecai didn't get, receive a reward when he saved the king. It just kind of went unnoticed. See, sometimes, friends, we do the right thing and we don't receive anything for it at the time that we do the right thing and we get discouraged and get upset. Where the Bible says, do not grow weary, those who do good, because in due season you will receive your reward. But we're like, but God, I've been faithful in this business deal or i've been faithful in this no good marriage or i've been faithful in school when other people are getting cheating and getting reward no god says when you remain faithful in due season do not grow weary but in due season you will receive your reward so mordecai had to learn to wait and as he's waiting for his reward haman like i said the hater the newly appointed prime minister he came up with this scheme to destroy the Jews basically because he was mad at Mordecai because one day he went before Mordecai and said, bow before me, and Mordecai Mordecai wouldn't bow. He would not bend his knee before the prime minister. And so persecution came. Friends, oftentimes in our walk with God, when when we're faithful and we won't bend to the whims and the ways and the culture of this world, persecution sometimes comes. But friends, we have to still remain faithful during that time that God is going to be God and that God is going to save us. So in chapter 6, God moves to save the Jews. The king can't sleep and he asks for a record book. You know, kind of like when we can't sleep sometimes, we, you know, one of the best books to, to, <laughs> to play when we can't sleep is like um, numbers. Put numbers from the Bible, put numbers on your you version, just play. You'll be knocked out by chapter 3. That don't work, hit Leviticus. So the king said, come on, let's bring out the records and let's, let's read that so I can sleep. And, and as he's reading the records, he remember, he remembers, oh, there was a Jew, or there was a person, a, a Jew named Mordecai who saved you when you could have died and I didn't even do anything to reward him or bless him. And so, in this extraordinary twist of events, the king calls Haman, his, his main dude, his, his vice president, if you will, and he says, hey, what should I do to the man the king wants to honor? Haman being full of himself as thinking, oh, he wants to talk about me. But let me tell you what you should do. And he goes, oh, you should dress him in the best clothes and put him on your best horse and make everybody bow down. He was ready 
He was ready to see Mordecai bow down before him, right? Make everybody bow down before him when he goes through the streets and so on and so forth. And, and the king said, that is a great idea. Now go to Mordecai the Jew and everything you said, do for him. Can you imagine? I'm about to go 1990s, late 90s on you. Can you imagine how salty he was? I mean, can you imagine? Oh, what, what you young people say about that now? Give me a new word. He was, do you know what salty is? You don't even know what salty is to translate it, do you? <laughs> What's a new word? You old school. Oh, I know there's a new word. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> oh man, he was feeling, he was, he said, I still use salty. Don't you know my mama's Danielle? We use salty in my house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was feeling kind of, he was feeling kind of salty. He was feeling kind of stupid. But you know what? God, tw- he, he, he turned the situation around and Mordecai remained faithful. In due season, friends, you will receive your reward. So part of mentoring, friends, is setting the example. Getting back to Mordecai. Mordecai set the example for Esther. In fact, he wasn't willing to compromise his beliefs. He would not bend. We need mentors who will not bend the knee. We need mentors to set the example and live holy lives. We need parents, friends, to be mentors first and foremost to their own children and not bend the knee, not compromise. Now, the other day I was at home and I'm about to be real with y'all because we ain't perfect. There's a certain word that my grandma said. That my mom says, yeah, I'm putting you out there. And that I say that we don't consider a cuss word. It starts with a P, ends with is. Um, it's just what you say when you're really, really mad. I mean, I don't say it like all the time. Just if some situation made me pee with the end of an is. I say it, right? No big deal. I even told you, you can say it too when you turn 18. No big deal. Okay? It just means this. You know? It's just, you know, it's not a cuss word in my book. <clears throat> well... My five-year-old came up to me at the fridge, wasn't even mad. He was just in a situation. I told him to go do something with his brother, go, his brother Jordan. He said, Mom, I can't, I can't go do that because Jordan will be, and he said the P, and it ended with the S. I said, you say, I said what What'd you say, son? He said, Mom, I can't because Jordan will be, and he said it again. I said, oh. I said, Justice, let's not say that word. And mommy's not going to say it anymore either. Three weeks I've been clean, friends. Woo! (laughs) Because I want to be the kind of mentor, the kind of life coach that doesn't tell someone to do something that I'm not doing. Friends, we, Mordecai was the kind of life coach, was the kind of mentor that told his protege, Esther, To go before the king, even though she could lose her life because he was willing to lose his life for what he believed. Because he was willing to not compromise. How are we going to tell someone to go do something that we won't do ourselves? Come on, somebody. And so Esther was empowered because she saw the kind of life that Mordecai lived. Because Mordecai was brave enough to not bend he encouraged his protege to be brave enough to go before the king uninvited. 
Leaders become great not because of their power, but because of their ability to empower others. Come on, my boy, John Maxwell. What? A lot of people have gone further than they thought they could because someone else thought they could. Come on. Come on. I believe in you, babe. Come on. I believe in you, boy. Come on. Watch this boy, Shua. He's all, he's gonna, he's got the best of mommy and dad, and I believe in you. Come on. I believe in y'all. We can go further than what we are right now. Mentoring's important, isn't it? And now, friends, I'm not saying this so that you can go all out and say, I don't have a mentor, boo-hoo. Become a mentor. Be what you want. Be what you want. Be the change. Who are you mentoring today, friends? Who are you mentoring today? If you don't have no one else to start, look in your own household. Do you have a child? Start there. Who are you mentoring today? Another way we can learn from Esther and make the most of our time is we need to realize eternity is important. Mm. John Wesley says, I value all things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. If we would have eternity as a mindset, so often we're only thinking of here and now that we don't realize that even if God grants us a 100 years on this earth, it's but a breath compared to eternity. But a breath compared to eternity. The only thing that we can take with us, friends, is other souls. That's the only thing we can take with us is other people coming to know the Christ. We get so caught up in our American dream. So caught up in the bigger, better house, the bigger, better car, the bigger, better school, the bigger, better neighborhood. We get so caught up in the right now and what we can do right now that we lose sight of what are we doing right now that's going to make a difference in eternity. We, we put so much energy, those of us who care into our kids and making sure they get their dance lessons and they get their, their karate lessons and they get their football lessons and they get all this stuff poured into them. Man, we didn't do anything until junior high at the most back in the day, right? But these kids by five years old need to be flipping and, and twirling and being the best, the best of everything. But we don't even put into them what really matters. It's, we're lucky to have our kids in church once a week. Now see, back in the day, Come on, Sister Juanita, wherever she went, Mama Juanita. She had her kids up in church five, six days a week. And guess what? All of them went into the ministry. Because eternity mattered more than, than oh, are they going to be popular? Are they going to be successful? Are they going to be blah, 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 blah? That we're losing our children, friends. More and more kids are walking away from the church. They're saying the millennials are leaving more and more. Oh, it's the church's fault. No, it's not. Maybe a little bit. I say it's the parents' fault. What are we prioritizing? Oh, but this and that. Come on, friends. Let's value all things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. This is what Esther said. She said, when, is, when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Look at that resolve. Look at that de- holy determination. Esther was ready to risk her life for a greater cause. We need to learn to focus on eternity. If we 
do. We will change the way we look at things. Oftentimes, we do not see things as they are. We see things as we are. Mm. We look at a situation and we don't see it as it is. We project our own insecurities, our own abandonment issues, our own rejection onto that situation. And we see things as we are, not as they are. We need to say, God, would you change our perspective? Would you give me the mindset and the perspective of eternity? It may not be working out for me now. I may not see all the promises I want now. Read the great chapter of faith in the book of Hebrews. They didn't receive everything that they were promised on this earth, but they had a mindset of eternity, friends. We want our kids being expert football players at five years old, and they haven't even said the salvation prayer yet. Friends, this isn't to condemn you you in any way. This is to encourage you and employ you to redeem your time today, to make the most of today. Maybe you've made mistakes in the past, but today you can do something about it. You can change your tomorrow by changing your today. You can impact eternity by what you do today. Oh, I want to say something to somebody, but I'm too afraid they might reject me. Or they might get saved and join you in eternity. Oh, I'm too afraid to invite someone to church. Oh, I just saw their post and they're really mad at God right now. Or they might appreciate the invite and show up. And they might give their heart over to the Lord. Oh, well, they're not a believer. So? You weren't a believer when you first heard either. (laughs) Why, friends, are we ashamed of the gospel of Christ? For it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes We need to do our part, but best believe when we do our part, God will do his part. A saying I've been saying to myself that I think originate with Pastor Dawn is, I will do my best and God will do the rest. Eternity matters. We need to focus on eternity. If we do, we'll change the way we look at things. We need to look at things through the lens of eternity. God works in his own time and in his own season. Esther got her timing right. She was able to do this because she didn't just focus on here and now. She focused on eternity. She was prepared. She took her time, but she acted. We need people to get their timing right. We need people to redeem their time. We need people to make the most of their time. They need to be prepared. And they need to have some action. Emily Dickinson says this, forever is composed of nows. Eternity, friends, is composed of what you do today. Maybe his God has put your on your heart to do something for him. Don't just jump into it, but wait for his time. Joseph was in jail until it was God's time for him to be released. God will move in his time when we remain faithful and alert to his leading. Time is important. Timing is important. Eternity is important. No more excuses about not having any more time. Can we say that together? No more excuses about not having any time. 2 Corinthians 6.2 and the New Living Translation says this, For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Friends, today I want to do something a little special I want to do something 
that I think is an on-time thing to do, and I need you to help me. I want to honor this man and woman of God who have been faithfully serving the Lord for 20-plus years, Pastor Earl and Pastor Renee. I want to honor them, and I want Pastor Josh to anoint them as they are going to be coming to a new season and a new time. And I want the church to rally behind them and say, I support you. I believe in you. I know that God is calling us higher. And so, um, Pastor Albert, could you bring two chairs up here for them? And um, Pastor Dorinthia, could you get the anointing oil? And... If you are a leader in this church and you feel a special connection with Pastor Earl and Renee, would you come on up here as Pastor Earl and Renee sit here? And would you, and, and for all of us, would we stretch her? Come on up here, Pastor Earl and Renee. Last week, we prayed and we released about 10 people from our body to go to Waterville. Now, Pastor Josh and I, as you know, will be back and forth between the both services. But these guys are going to step up in their pastoral care and pastoral role here and caring for the body and shepherding the flock. And they're going to need your grace and they're going to need your help to do so. So I, I know there's a, a, some of us here that I feel extremely close to Pastor Earl and Renee. Would you come on up here and would you lay hands on them? And then, for like I said, for the rest of us, Let's go ahead and stretch a hand towards them. But I want them to feel loved, and I want them to feel supported. I need someone to get down there at their feet, too, those who can bend. And we're going to anoint them. Pastor Josh. Can we all stretch our hands in a sign of agreement? I'm going to start, and I'm going to have Pastor Josh finish, but... Father God, I thank you for this couple, Lord God. I thank you for the faithfulness of Pastor Earl and Renee. I thank you, Lord God, when we came to them with this idea that like Esther, they said, I'm going to move past my fear and I'm going to redeem the time that you have me in. For such a time as this, you have called me. And I am going to be faithful to that call. Lord, I thank you for anointing them, God. I thank you for taking them to a higher level, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for opening doors that every dream and vision they've ever had, a godly dream and vision that they ever have, will come to pass. God, I thank you that you will grow them, mature them, and flourish them. God, I thank you that you will put people around them as they have been faithful to lift Pastor Josh and my hands. Lord God, I thank you you're going to put errands and hers around them to lift their hands, God. God, I thank you that the anointing of their preaching and their message will be more powerful, God, that they will be able to raise up volunteers and they will raise up sons and daughters in the faith, Lord God, in a greater way than they've ever been able to do before. God, I pray for finances, that it will come through, that they would be able to be here full time, Lord God. I pray that you would do the impossible, that you would open up the heavens in front of them, Lord God. God, I thank you for protecting them, protecting their family, protecting their marriage, protecting their finances, Lord God. And I thank you for your anointing all around them, Lord Jesus, on every side. God, I thank you will go before them and you'll go behind them and that you will surround them and encamp them with your Holy Spirit and your presence, Lord Jesus. God, that you would fill them with your love and with your anointing, Lord God, that you would give them every spiritual gift to do the job that you've called them to do, Lord. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you are for them. So who can be against them, Lord? God, we thank you, Lord God. They are the head and not the tail. God, we thank you that they are more than conquerors, Lord Jesus. And God, I pray that they will walk in a new level of anointing this day. Father, we thank you that, God, that you don't call those that are already equipped But God, you equip those that you call. 
And Lord, we thank you that you are going to continue to equip Pastor Earl and Renee, Father, with every leadership tool that they need, Father, to continue, God, doing what you've called them to do. God, we thank you that, God, as you're calling, uh, God, this whole body up in leadership. Lord, we thank you. God, we, Lord, uh, we receive that call. God, we thank you that, Lord, that you're doing something that's not just here in South Toledo, but, God, you're allowing us to have influence over Northwest Ohio, God. And, Lord, we say thank you that you are entrusting to us, Father, uh, your kingdom, and you're entrusting lives to us. So, Father, we bless my brother and my sister right now. God, we, God, we just decree over them, Lord God, every blessing from heaven necessary, God, for them to do everything you've called them to do. God, we speak life. We speak grace. We speak the power of your Holy Spirit over them. And God, we thank you. God, we choose to say yes to you every day. That's not just what their desire. It's not just joy and I's desire, but God, it's, it's the body of vision to say yes to you. And Lord, we say yes to what you're doing in Jesus name. Would you guys go ahead and stand to your feet? If you feel that God has called you to a, a to go to a place that you've never been before and that today is the day to make the most of your time and this message touched you deep down in your spirit, would you raise your hand before the Lord? Would you just raise your hand before the Lord? Pastor Josh is going to speak a blessing on you. God is going to touch you today, and he's going to help you receive that word, not just as head knowledge, but as down in your spirit, man, that it would become action for you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power, through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Now unto Him, who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God bless you, friends. Thank you for joining with us today.